All right, all the mamas out there, this episode is for you. And while parenting is something that I definitely bring up, probably more episodes than not, um, this is going to be a good one because it really is dedicated to parenting um, and our experiences as mothers. And I brought in the lovely Kelly to come and talk with us because not only is she a delightful human, she has been in my world and we've been able to get to know one another on a more personal level and how we are growing our businesses and collaborate together. Uh, she is a conscious parenting coach. And so she is the person to bring in to talk about parenting, motherhood, and conscious parenting. So Kelly, thank you for being here. Of course. I am so excited to be on your show and talk to you and your listeners about all things parenting, the ups and downs, the ins and outs, the struggles, the celebrations, all the things. So I'm happy to be here. Great. It's going to be so good. Let me just give you the space to introduce yourself, tell people what, um, what you want to share to get to know you a little bit uh, and what you do as a conscious parenting coach. Sure. Yeah. So I am newly a conscious parenting coach, but not a new parent by any means. I have two kids and well, one is actually an adult now, technically speaking, <laughs> he's my son is 20 and my daughter is 14. So she thinks she's an adult. Um, but yeah, so I've been through all the stages of parenting myself. And in fact, I think I've always been a conscious parent. I just didn't know that there was a term for it. Um, and so it's really interesting that there is now a popular term that is becoming more and more mainstream, I think. And the, the term really comes from Dr. Shafali Saberi, who is my mentor and coach and, and who I got my certification through. So if you're curious about conscious parenting or you have never heard of it before, she is really kind of the founder of that movement and has written a bunch of books and all of that. So I can't recommend her enough. And also I just recently started a podcast just like you. So mm -hmm. I have a co-host with me and it's called We See You Sawabona. It is um, just been, so, it's been so much fun to talk about parenting, but we talk about all kinds of other things too, like relationships and life transitions and spirituality and woo-woo things as well. So it's been a lot of fun. So fun. And I'll be sure to um, any, like wherever you have um, some of your top, you know, resources that you can send me links and I'll definitely put those in the show notes for people especially like introducing Dr. Shapali for people that haven't heard. Um, but maybe let's do the, the broad open question of like, can you describe what in the world does conscious, conscious parenting even mean for people that have heard it and have no idea or um, maybe have never heard of it before? Yeah, well, I always like to kind of look at conscious parenting from the opposite uh, perspective, just to give people clarity because most oftentimes we are unconsciously parenting. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're, we're oftentimes just surviving as parents, right. And we are just reacting to the situations that we're facing with very little map, with very little direction or guidance, other than what we grew up with as kids ourselves. And so conscious parenting is really like, I like to think of my mission and purpose as being someone who can help parents break the generational break the generational cycle of traditional parenting or the kind of parenting that we all grew up with. And so 
being conscious about it and actually recognizing where as parents, we're showing up just like our parents did wishing that we weren't. And it's, it's in that, that guilt that we feel it's in that, oh my God, how did I just like blow up on my kids? Who is that person? That's not me. That's not what I intended to do is where we have the opportunity to shift how we parent. And the, the purpose of our parenting is not to control our kids, but to connect with them. And so that's where we start. We start with connection before correction. We start with present moment experiences and we start with what is triggering us. <laughs> where are we behaving that we wish we weren't behaving that way, but we seem to feel out of control or unable to change our methods, our behaviors, our reactions to our kids. I mean, I feel like we could probably talk just right there for a whole hour, right? But is it fair to say that like conscious parenting is equal parts like being aware and then unlearning, like you said, the, the ways that we were raised and then also really like enhancing our like mindfulness and in, intentionality with parenting. Like, so not just on autopilot based on what we know, kind of unlearning some of that and then kind of learning new skills of how we want to be present and available with our children. Absolutely. And I, and I think like anyone who is listening to this show is probably on their own journey of personal growth and, and development and self-awareness. And that's where we start. I mean, conscious parenting is a journey. It is not a destination. We never are going to have this. I, you're never going to be the perfect parent, right? And so it's really learning how to accept ourselves as humans, first and foremost, because there's a lot of opportunity to screw up with your own parenting. But the good news is, is that our kids are resilient. Thank God, yeah. because otherwise we'd all be, you know, messing them up left, right and center. So, um, so yeah, so first and foremost, I think you're right. Like just having that self-awareness is critical before we can change anything. It's like, you're right. There's, there's the self-awareness and then there's the unlearning and then there's the, okay, now what do we do with intentionality? So it, it is a little bit of a three-step process yeah. and it's continuously cycling, right? It's not just linear. It's, it's mm -hmm. circular. You're constantly being triggered by a circumstance with your kid and you're constantly going through self-awareness and learning what you knew and then setting a new intention so you can do it differently. Yeah. Because as our kids go through their own new stages of life, it will be the first time that we've gone through them with them. You know, I've never been a parent of a teenager. So I know that that's going to be a different experience than the stage I'm at right now, um, where my boys are like seven and a half and almost five. Like there will, <laughs> there will be new triggers. I'm sure I can oh, yeah. imagine. A hundred percent. And the thing is, is that that's the other thing about conscious parenting that is it is a challenge, but it's also a blessing is that ever, there's everything is a phase. There's not no such thing as permanence in this parenting world. And so that can be a blessing when you're in a phase where you're like, oh my God, when is this going to end? Um, but it's also a, it also can be tough because what worked yesterday is not going to necessarily work today with your kids. And also you've got the triggers that come up 
are, can be projections from your childhood at that time in your life. So sometimes we, as a conscious parenting coach, I will oftentimes go back to the, my client's childhood at that time of their child's struggle, what they're struggling with their child. And there will oftentimes be something that happened to them at that exact same age or stage. And that is coming up subconsciously. So it's really, really interesting to notice um, where your child is at. And if you're really having some conflict with them, what's, what happened to you at that age? And oftentimes there's something there. Well, I don't think I really thought of that before. I mean, like as a, as a broad understanding to know, yeah, that our own experiences can obviously be, be filtered and kind of cast on our kids, but to think about it really specifically like age or developmental wise, I think my brain, my wheel spinning, just thinking on that, that's, that is fascinating. I'm sure. Um, and I'm sure like huge light bulb moments for your clients that are working with you, like, Whoa, I didn't, I never realized. Yeah. I mean, I was talking with a gal the other day and, um, she, she was, you know, we're having the session and I just asked her kind of what was her experience like in, she's got kids that are a little bit older than yours, you know, but, um, like nine and 10 and 11. And, um, I was like, well, what happened to, you know, what was going on in your life at that time? And she started tearing up and Mm -hmm. she, she started telling me about her parents' divorce and how confused and isolated and all of this she was. And so it was just, it's, and she, you know, the emotions came right to the surface and it's like, wow, you know, these are really interesting things because what happens subconsciously sometimes is we start to project onto our kids, our own pain from that time. And I know we're, gosh, we're getting real deep, real quick here, (laughs) Um, but that's what we do. So it's just helpful to understand that oftentimes when we're parenting and we're struggling with our kids' challenges, it's because we have to face, we haven't moved through our own from that time. And so it's really important that we can process through that and kind of actually kind of finish it and close it a little bit before we can get to the actual parenting piece. I mean, I hope the listeners like, boom, there's a takeaway right there. Like if you want to start on something like to think of, to, to literally think on that, you know, would probably be very revolutionary for some people. Like what is my stuff happening at for me seven and five ish? Like what was happening around then? That's still a part of me and clearly fresh enough that can be getting stirred up, you know? Yeah. Right. Because our kids are, our, our kids are here. They are a reflection of us. In fact, all of our relationships are right. We know that their people are mirrors for us, but our kids, especially so they show us exactly who we are. And Mm -hmm. if we have fears that are deep within us from a certain time of our life that we were never able to feel like never able to process through, never able to address, we're never validated, they get stuck in our system. And so when our kids hit that age, we start feeling those things for them and unconsciously projecting onto them and then creating this energetic disharmony with our child. And we don't even know that we're doing it. 
And so it's just like bringing these things to the surface can really help to, like I said, transmute them and start to let them go and start to recognize that separation between our experience and our kids' experience. Because I will say when I went through my certification, um, it was, yes, we learned about coaching others, but the, the most important part of the certification is going through this process yourself mm-hmm. and going through your own childhood and going through your own pains and the things that you haven't like let go of yourself. And I, and for me, um, it was a lot of, it was my mother's, my mother wound, the, the separation between my mom and I, like, as I became a teenager and that's where I'm working as a mother myself of a teenage daughter to not project onto my daughter, what I experienced as a kid. And it's, it's really hard. (laughs) It's not, it's, um, it's been a challenge, even for me, even knowing what I know. And, you know, it's always easier to work with other people than it is to work with yourself, but it's something that I have done and I'm still doing, um, as my, as I'm, you know, home with my daughter and working through, making sure that I'm not projecting onto her how, what my experience was as a kid. And, and what I think is why this is hitting me, you know, like is more revolutionary for me even than I, you know, just a missing facet. Cause I've always found myself like when describing my experience of motherhood, and this will be a nice segue into to my next question for you. But when I've thought about my experience, I'm, since you brought that up, this point, I had always described it in terms of like how our like systems were different and why that may make my experience of motherhood more challenging. Meaning um, my family, it's me and my sister and we're 10 years apart. So I didn't, I didn't have a household filled with sharing and competing and just loud volume and energy because we were essentially really two single kids, right? Even just the differences of girls and boys um, and just uh, the energy in a household that way. Like I had always kind of thought of the system and just the makeup and how the differences for me and how I grew up compared to my family and what my family looks like and hadn't, hadn't thought about um, specifically me and my own experiences as a child around those developmental ages. And, and as an example of you saying this, just for listeners, I'll, I'm always willing to give myself as an example is if it, whoever follows me on social media knows I got a non-sleeper, right? I got a kid that has been, shouldn't say he's a non-sleeper, but we are, my oldest is like kind of abruptly out of nowhere, had lots of nighttime wakings, some dread about going to bed and kind of fighting and resisting it and then waking up and really pretty agitated and he can't go back to sleep himself and lots of fears. Um, and again, I hadn't necessarily made this connection, but the general theme of projecting our stuff onto our kids, um, my husband and I have come to realize like we deep down both have fears around dying. And so about a year and a half ago, when my son hit the normal developmental age to start asking questions about dying, realizing that like things and people aren't permanent and what does this mean and what does it look like? Um, And he had a lot of those questions for me in particular at bedtime. And so here's the dot connector is that clearly 
that even though it was it's normal for him at that age to start asking these questions, how much that likely stirred up things within my husband and I that we are probably still continuing to project on him about like maybe not really wanting to talk about it or dodging it or trying to avoid it or I don't know how to answer it or I don't want to get emotional about talking, right? These kinds of things and how we can be unintentionally projecting our own fears onto him, which only exacerbates it more for him. And, and, you know, we believe is contributing to his sleep stuff. Um, Yes. I mean, that's such a great example. It's such a great example because it is true that if you haven't worked through those things yourselves, you and your husband, that they're going to present themselves until you do. And in this case, they're presenting through your son, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like what, so the work that you have to do around that is only going to benefit him in his certainty around having those fears and being able to move through those fears, because our kids can only move through stuff really to the degree that we have. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, I just think it's a great example and it, it gives you the opportunity to say, okay, so what do, what am I avoiding with this particular topic? And of course, we're all afraid of dying. You know, that's a very normal human thing. And, and there's degrees of that. Right. And if it's still something that's feels like needs to be avoided, then there is something to work on. Right. It's just, that's where we notice, like, that's how we know what to work on because our kids are, are reflecting it back to us. And so it's like, oh, this is a trigger for you. Where have you noticed this in your own life? And how can you continue to work, work on that so that you can feel the comfort in being a safe container for your son so that he can feel safe in that space with you? And I don't think the age specifically, like I caught myself then thinking, did someone, you know, did, did fears of death or did this get stirred up around that six or seven for me? And not, you know, on on the fly here as we're talking, I don't think so. I had a grandma die when I was younger, so I don't even really have memories of her. Um, But I'd have to ask my husband. Um, I don't think so. I think he was a little bit older, Um, but it just like the specific age component. So that's a general example of how our stuff is being projected and mirrored to us through our kid. Um, But we'll have to do a little bit more digging on like the age specific stuff to see if if there are memories or things or events that we can pull up that, um, correlate, you know, so I'm excited. And it's not always age. I mean, age is sometimes a a good place to start, but like, that's usually where I start, but it's not always age. Sometimes it's circumstance, it's situational. So, um, or it can be even a trigger based on a a certain type of person. You know, some kids are (laughs) afraid of, uh, men, for example, or something, <laughs> yeah. just like, there's just certain things that the fears, whatever the fear is, it could be age specific. It could be situational specific, or it could be person specific. It's just, sure. we kind of start with age. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, we, there are some value done. We are 20 minutes in and guys, <laughs> you got your, a huge takeaway that again, I just know that that's something that people can be like, Whoa. And just to ponder and explore, it's not right or wrong. It's not bad. It's it's just like connecting some dots and where some things could be coming from that I don't know that people always think of. So thank you for that. I definitely would be. 
Yeah. <laughs> Going back in time and seeing what, what I remember, what stands out, but what I really want, like a, a big bulk of what I wanted to get your take on. And I knew that you would be the, the perfect person to have this conversation with is um, I feel like as a society shifts in our, you know, communities and things like that, I am hearing from more and more women and myself is included that there are a lot of women out there who are more willing to speak up and acknowledge that they are not having the experience as mothers that they really thought they would. And as a, as a broad statement that they aren't enjoying it as much as they thought they would. Um, and like I said, I'm included in that. I would have said, I am, I was someone who was really mature for my age. I was always like the mini adult helping out with the little kids. I love to babysit. I coach little kids, you know, it's my high school job, little t-ball. Like I loved being around kids and was really good with them. Um, and, and, and now my experience of it is just so overwhelming and overstimulating the, I often say the persistence of parenting is something that I just didn't anticipate really impacting me the way that it does. So what would you say to that, to women and, and, and factors that you think could be included or just your take on that, that one, women are more willing to speak up about it where they maybe wouldn't have in earlier generations, but also just we're not enjoying it as much as we thought. What's your take on that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm like, where did we get that? This is an enjoyable experience. Mm. Right. I mean, it's in the expectation of that, that the big disappointment comes in and the guilt, right. Yeah. It's like, where does that expectation come from? Because I can, I was just thinking as you were talking about that, I'm like, we are two generations away from, and I'm a gen Xer. So, um, you know, we're two generations away from 1950s housewife type scenario. I mean, if you've looked at any advertising from that era, it's like the happy housewife with the dress on and the makeup done and the apron and the vacuum and the cooking and the kids, mm -hmm. you know, all with <laughs> mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's where I'm thinking that those expectations were essentially started was that there's this deep satisfaction and fulfillment that as women, we should get from being mothers. Like that is our job here on earth is to become a mom. And that is the expectation that if, what if, what if that's our purpose and we don't like it, mm -hmm. <laughs> God, you know, who wants to admit that? And I think for so long, women didn't admit that. I think for so long, it's been glamorized in media, in society, in whatever. And it's like, no, that is not, that's not the truth of it. And so it's the expectation that kills us. And one thing that you said to had to persistence of it. Well, yeah, to a job, um, 24, seven. 24 hours a day, seven days a week with literally no breaks, even vacations are not breaks for you. Who's going to sign up for that? But that's what we did. We signed up for something that we really didn't know what we were signing up for. And so first off, I just, 
I, I always want to acknowledge moms because being a mom myself, like it's a thankless job. It really, really is. And it's something that society just expects of us to, to enjoy. And when it's not enjoyable, it's really hard to admit that you're not enjoying it. And so I think first and foremost, just recognize how hard it is. Recognize that it's a 24 seven and like, especially when your kid is not sleeping, you know, it's literally 24 seven, like you're not even getting a sleeping break. Right. So just acknowledging the challenge in and of itself and releasing as much as possible, the expectation that it should be enjoyable because it is not meant to be fun. Like it's just not it. This is, um, I mean, it can be, it can be, but it does start with releasing some of those expectations. And that's where I think, um, the gap can start to close between where you are and where you feel like you should be. Anytime there's a should in your situation, you're feeling the gap of how you're not enough or you're not doing it right, or you're missing something, right. Or you're not getting it. Anytime we feel like we should be somewhere where we're not. And so it's like, how do we shrink that gap? How do we start to take away that should in parenting so that we can just meet ourselves where we're at and be okay. And accepting of the fact that it's kind of sucks sometimes. Um, and this, and the second thing I'll say about that is that conscious parenting in particular is about being very present in the moment. So the moment at the time could be not a fun moment, but you're going to be present in it and you're going to work through it instead of avoiding it, instead of withdrawing from it, instead of like being in a rage about it, because it's not what you want it to be. You're just in the moment and then you move through it. And then you're in the next moment. And then you're in the next moment. And so when you are present enough to appreciate the moments that are good and are fun and are enjoyable, then you can recognize those because you're not trying to be somewhere else. You're, you're in the, you're in the moment, whether it's quote unquote, and I don't like to label good or bad because there really is no such thing, but it feels like that within us, right? When you're in a moment that feels frustrating or aggravating or whatever, um, you can be in that moment as equally as you can be in a moment that is enjoyable and pleasant and relaxing. Yeah. I think what I really appreciated the first thing you said is, and I've had a couple other, you know, women peers say that some of that kind of judgment they have of themselves, or maybe some of how the expectation was built is their perception as they look back on their mothers was that they didn't seem to have such a hard time. Now I didn't, I don't hear people say as much of like, my mom loved it. You know, she was that like, like you said, the soak it all up. And I'm meant to just be like, it, it was, it, I don't hear women necessarily saying that they just, I've heard more say, I don't know. My mom didn't seem to have such a hard time with it. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't remember my mom being like ragey or I don't remember my mom, you know? So whether that's our own interpretation of it or it's reality could be both. I think some of that judgment and even comparison is like, well, I looked at, and, and I would say this is true. I looked at my mom and seemed pretty easy and natural for her. I don't know. Like I, I, I don't, 
now I know some stories or I know some things that I just wouldn't have picked up on when I was a baby or a kid or whatever to know that she is a human being that had hard times as a mom, clearly. But, um, but that, like the, the one is, it, they didn't look like they were struggling on the outside. So the fact that I'm struggling must mean, like you said, I'm doing it wrong. I'm a bad mom, you know, something like that. I think the other part of it is that because our, you know, our parents are that one generation closer, they probably were talking about it less. It was that much more taboo and that much more inappropriate for them to admit if they were having a hard time or they weren't enjoying it. So they just did it and they put up real good, fake, happy faces. And so some of it too, I, I you know, some of the, what I'll bring is that I just think because we're getting more and more willing to acknowledge the hard it just seems like no one else did, but that's not the reality. We're just finally starting to be more open and honest about our experiences, but it comes back to, you know, the expectations or the comparison that really then we end up judging and shaming ourselves for that. Absolutely. I love that you brought that up because I think of our parents' generation, and this is totally generalizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, they for all the peace and love and drugs and sex and everything that they experienced in that generation, I don't know what happened to them when they became parents, but I think they repressed everything, you know, and they were just, you know, I I look at it and I think as we go through these generation to generation, we are becoming more aware. We are becoming more enlightened. And unfortunately, once you open the Pandora's box of awareness of self-awareness, you can't shut it up again. It's like you, you're more in tune. You're more in touch. You're more aware of your triggers. You, you, you don't have that luxury of ignorance as bliss anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And I think our parents lived in a lot of, because of how they grew up in their childhood, having to repress everything because they lived in this culture of perfection. Their parents were, you know, living in this culture, a very restrictive role-based culture, Mm -hmm. and they grew up under that. And so I think they, when they came to, came of age and they were teenagers, like that's where, you know, sex, love and rock and roll came out, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And so, you know, they, they expressed themselves, but then they kind of put themselves back in the cage again, when they became parents and they started to parent the way that their parents parented. And so this is where this breaking this pattern, this generational pattern, we talk about it in poverty, but it takes place in raising kids too. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it's like, no, we're going to choose to parent in a way that is going to allow our kids the freedom that they need to grow up as they are, instead of as we expect them to be. And what a fine line. I mean, to anyone hearing this, like, you know, I I think sometimes people hear conversations about conscious parenting and they just want to shut it down immediately because they, they hear, you know, there's no rules or expectations. We're just supposed to let our kids, you know, fly off the handles and, and, you know, it's okay to whatever. And that isn't the case, you know, that we can still have rules and expectations in our household or for our kiddos and, and that kind of a thing, but doing it, the, the word I heard you use that I can still within myself feel the parts and pieces that I'm working on um, is control that I'm, I'm, I'm not putting 
expectations and rules in place in my home from a place of so I can control you into, you know, who I think you should be is it's, well, there still are rules about keeping everybody safe, you know, emotionally safe, physically safe, right? There are expectations for how we want our household to function so we can be a team and, you know, whatever. Um, but back to your original point though, is then the self-awareness to know, like, when I have rules and expectations and how I am handling things when shit hits the fan, uh, am I doing it from my own stuff that's being triggered? Uh, am I doing it with my kiddos unique needs in mind? Am I doing it just to control the moment and, and kind of suck this up and move it on? Cause I don't want to be, you know, uh, back to that, like mindfulness and intentionality. So, um, I also wanted to ask you just about this, the, the expectation, the gap, um, comparing ourselves to earlier generations or our parents. What do you think about even things like all the media and social media and the access to all the things that we have as parents that, you know, our parents didn't. And if that, if you think that plays a role in any capacity. Oh, I think it, I think it plays a huge role because social media, there are blessings and curses to social media, right? And we get fed what we scroll. So, or what we click on, you know? So if we're looking for validation, we can totally find it there. And it can also be a huge source of um, comparisonitis where we, and I, and I think as business owners ourselves, we can we can relate to that too, from a business standpoint. Um, but yeah, you, if you see, like, if you look at social media and you see that this mom or that mom is doing it seemingly well and has her shit together, so to speak, and she's just, you know, and always put together and everything's organized and all of that, then of course, you know, you're going to feel separate. You're going to feel maybe bad about yourself or like, because that's not your reality. That's not your experience. And, you know, I will say I had, there was one mom I can think of in my, in my life that when my kids were growing up that oh, it was just like everything she, I mean, her whole family was, they all looked like they were a family because everybody was blonde haired, blue eyed and mm -hmm. always put together just gorgeous family, you know, and she was always showing up with the homemade baked goods for the bake sale. And I was newly a single mom. And I was like, I don't have time to bake for, you know, I don't have time to, you know, wrap these all up cute with bows on them and spending, you know, three days baking these cookies or whatever. So, uh, so there was always this, this jealousy almost within me that I couldn't measure up to her. And, you know, my son was always over at her house because he was friends with her son. And I just thought, Oh, he probably likes them better. The dad was always making these like crazy pancakes in the morning when he would have sleepovers. And I was just like, I can't offer them. I can't offer my kids or my son, what this family is offering them because everything just seemed so perfect on the outside. And, you know, lo and behold, 10 years later, they weren't so perfect. Their marriage wasn't so perfect and they ended up splitting up. And I, 
I'm sorry for that. But at the same time, I'm like, well, where, what were they not sharing? They were sharing something that wasn't real, that wasn't really going on. And I'm sure they had wonderful times with their family, but they were also a real family. They had other things going on, but they just never projected that. And so I think it's so important to remember that and to have these conversations because we need to feel like we aren't alone in this journey of parenting. And if we are having a hard time, which all of us are, let's just be honest, all of us are, that it's normal and it's okay. And that you don't have to do it alone, right? It's, it's not meant to do, we're not meant to do this by yourself. Like we were not designed to like, as a, as a human, as a humanity to raise kids in these little boxes by ourselves. It's just not how we are designed as humans. Which, I mean, we won't go on another, again, I think it could be a whole other tangent, but as you were saying, what was coming to mind is also just as a society, we are less community-based. I, I don't have any one that I could send my kid down the street and I don't know that I would want to with safety concerns this day and age to just be like, yeah, run down the street to Bobby's house and I'll see you at, you know, six when I ring the supper bell. Like that is not so in some ways. And, and again, we won't go down a tangent, but there, there is a lot more togetherness. There is a, there is a lot less, I mean, in some ways, obviously, you know, more women are working and all that kind of stuff. So there is in some ways, maybe more separation, but also less separation that we don't have the same kind of breaks because we don't have families that live all in the same town. And we don't have as many close friends that we trust. My kids have never had a sleepover with a peer. And right yeah. now, if I brought it up to them, they, that, that is, there is zero interest in that. That sounds terrifying to them. We're like, I don't remember giving it a second thought, like, this is awesome, you know, and just some things like that, where you would get support, community validation, the shared kind of, you know, raising the kids, but in a, in a more community based, there's just less of that. So I do think there is a different kind of, and then all the information and everything that comes in with, with access to media and everything. Like, I just think there's like an, an input of stuff and in a, energy that is different than other generations. And now we're trying to do it mindfully and intentionally when I feel like I literally never get to get away from them. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, look at what we've been through in the last few years too. I mean, unprecedented pandemic, global pandemic where our kids, God bless them because there's going to be, there is a lot that's showing up and will continue to show up from the pandemic and social development and kids and and anxieties through the roof, like, especially with teenagers, social anxiety from this whole scene. So, um, the kids are, are, they're going to be the generation that is going to like, they're going to show up differently because of what they've been through in their developmental stages from COVID. But you're right. Like, different than our parents' generation, we now are raising kids among social media as well. And Mm -hmm. social media is quickly replacing or trying to replace and actually kind of successfully replacing, unfortunately, for the kids, human connection and human community. And 
I think it's happening for parents too. I think parents are also relying on social media to be their community as well. And so a lot of us from, from this experience are, are uncomfortable being in real life human interaction. And that is a problem, right? Like that's, that's not serving anybody very well. And so we do have unique challenges that our parents did not have. There's a lot of things that we face with our kids that um, there, there's no map for. And that's why I think it's just important that we have these conversations and we continue to, to navigate them together because even the, and I won't go into the whole thing about social media, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, with a teenage daughter myself and watching, you know, a lot of parents struggling with like, how do we navigate social media with our kids? And like, how much is too much? And la, 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 la. And there's no real answers for this because there's no longitudinal studies for this. Mm -hmm. You know, the experts don't even have a lot of the information on how to navigate this because they don't know what the effects are going to be on this generation of kids. And so, um, I mean, the surgeon general just came, just came like the mental health crisis that teens are having. So there is awareness of it, but there's really no, there's no solution-based things at this, at this time to, that are based in their studies. So even that, you know, people listening, I hope you take some of these, you know, little side topic areas, I guess, but again, just highlighting why our experiences may not be what they thought, what we thought they would be, or why we, you know, the unique challenges that we face, or again, why it looked, why we perceived it to be different from our parents and how it actually was and just all of these factors intertwined absolutely contribute. So if we take this and we've acknowledged, you know, a variety of different things, what would you give as just a couple, if it's tips, tricks, like things to offer us, those of us that are saying, I am having a hard time with this. I do feel bad. I have guilt. I want to enjoy it more, but it, I, I'm, I'm struggling to enjoy parenthood. What would you offer is like, a couple, you know, starting places or ideas to help us bridge that gap and really um, enjoy our roles as mothers more. Yeah. So the first thing, and we've already touched on it is just practicing presence, right? And it's hard to do that, like in the, in the moment of conflict. So practice it in the calm, practice it when you have a minute to yourself, you know, can you build a presence into your daily life? And it doesn't need to look like it can look like meditation, but it doesn't have to be. It can just be triggering yourself back into the moment, um, putting your phone down so that when you're with your kid, you're with your kid instead of like trying to pull yourself in a different direction. Um, or so those are, so that's one thing I think is huge. The other thing is just like you said um, earlier about noticing when you're trying to control something, um, paying attention to when that's happening. You know, what is it about the moment or the situation that you feel like you have to control? Because what we know is that control is really a desire to, um, it's, it's fear-based. It's like you feeling like you're out of control or you're feeling like something is going to happen that's bad. So there's a fear under that. And we're trying to create certainty around it because we're not certain. And so 
that's where it's a good place to start. It's a good place to look as to where are your triggers? Where are you noticing that you're feeling out of control? Where are you noticing that you're trying to gain control? And is it coming from a place of fear or is it coming from a place of necessity, right? Like you said, safety is critical, emotional safety, physical safety, those kinds of things, especially when your kids are really young. Um, very important to have those safe containers and those safe things in place so that your kids can be safe. But outside of that, you know, are the things that we're trying to control really necessary or are they just there because we're afraid of things getting um, out of our hands? Are we afraid of kind of letting go of some things? Yeah. Yeah. I will say that for those two things, like what that has looked like for me and I am I'm, I'm not perfect. I will say I know myself well enough to know that um, if I don't have breaks where I can like turn off mom mode, um, my tolerance for um, just that overwhelm and being triggered, like, right, like most people, it just fades. So I know that I have to somehow insert a break. And I'm not great about it in the moment yet, but the the first thing you said is for me, that looks like I really try to like soak up those miracle moments and like really notice them. The small little things when your kid is just having a giggle fit over nothing, right? Or they bring home that 18th colored picture from daycare and you've got nowhere to put it, but man, are they proud about it, right? Or you do hear them sharing or, you know, playing together, whatever. Just like those small little moments of like this, that I am enjoying this because we can just pass it by real quick, right? Like, oh, phew, finally, they're just quiet or getting along or no one's fighting. And we can just phrase it that way and be sort of mindless to them or we can really like savor them. Yes. And I know I'm not good about it. I will also say then the second thing, and I have it written as an intention, I am a work in progress, but I have it written as an intention to have my phone down from four to 8 PM. Yeah. It's not always easy. The addiction is real to pick it up right into, you know, whatever. And there are times it's needed, but whew, that is a work in progress to just be mindful in a more fulfilling way, not just when shit is at the fan. Um, and then the second one with the controlling, I, yeah, I think just knowing our triggers so we can know kind of in advance, right? Like I know if I'm solo parenting, cause my husband's off doing something like I have to have a different kind of game plan in place for me. That's going to be beneficial for everyone. So I'm not in the moment, just squashing things to save my nervous system when really they're not doing anything that problematic. I'm just reached my limit and it's really a me thing, not a them thing. Yeah. So, so many cool things that you just brought up because the first one being, I know I need a break to manage the day-to-day everybody does, of course, but especially if you know that about yourself, like it comes down to self-care, right? And I know that's kind of a buzzword and maybe it's cliche at this point, but what is it that you need in order to fill your cup so that you have the energy to manage having children at home all day? Um, or going to work and then coming home and having the kids. So that looks maybe different for everybody, but it's super, super critical that you are taking care of yourself 
because parenting is going to be that much harder without, if you're being the martyr, if you're being the sacrificer, if you're just saying, okay, everybody's needs comes first before mine, you're going to start getting resentful of being a mom real quick. If you haven't already, I know, cause I've been there done that. I, I, I know the feeling so boundaries and self-care are super huge. And I know you talk a lot about those things on your show. So the other thing that you said was, um, just being able to notice your triggers and also notice those moments when things are going well. Like, I love that you said that because I like to remind parents of like, what are you grateful for in your kids? Like, can you see your kids and the qualities and the traits and the uniqueness that they bring that is positive, that is good that is maybe different than you but that you love about them and you start to focus on those things you start to have a new perspective about your child instead of focusing on all the things that they're not doing or the person that they aren't becoming or the the expectation that you have that they're not fulfilling you start to focus on their uniqueness and the beautiful qualities that they have and the good things that they're bringing to their their world And it's just, it's a change in perspective. It's not like your kids any different. It's just, what are you looking at? Which side of their coin are you looking at? Are you looking at the light side or the dark side and being grateful for, you know, both sides, honoring both sides, but being grateful for the things that they are bringing that, that are light in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it just matters from them and their own development, the relationship that you have with them, and then our ability to tolerate the, the load that comes as being a parent, you know? So I guess maybe like, I don't always do this, but I'm just feeling inspired today that like hearing that, like, I hope that each of you listening, like have that be your assignment, right? Like at minimum once a day, can you find, I always call them like the miracle or the magic moments. Can you like, you know, when you just sit and you observe, like you just sit and stare at like a beautiful sunset and you're like, gosh, like, what an amazing, you know, world we live in, right? You just have like that moment of like, you you realize the magnitude of everything and it's just so serene and un- incredible. Like, can you find something like that every day, once a day minimum with your kids moving forward and and let those like build on each other? Um, I, I think that alone can be really profound when we just get apt to like, here's another thing. You need something else. Oh, now I'm wiping butts. Now you're crying about this. Now we, you know, that whole narrative, but take that with you guys. Let's, let's putting a homework assignment. And I don't think I've done that on the podcast. Well, it's a good one. And it's like, I mean, it, it's similar to a gratitude practice, right? It's similar to just, you could incorporate that into yours if you already have it, or if you don't, um, you could use parenting as, you know, one of your gratitude practices and just really like, I love that you're soaking up those moments because you know that we're not really designed to always be in the high, high, high frequency of life and everything be blissful all the time. It'd be lovely, but that's, that's not why we're here. We're human to experience all the emotions, all the ups and downs. And in fact, I think we secretly maybe, um, enjoy that. So mm-hmm. the, the drama of it all <laughs> yeah. and parenting is nothing if not a drama. So we just, we take the tragedies and we take the comedies and we roll it all up and we call it parenting. Yeah. 
Um, thank you for this discussion, just all of it. Like, again, I hope it was validating and supportive for plenty of people out there. I hope it gave you new things to ponder on and consider and explore for yourself. Um, and I hope it was just um, kind of a breath of fresh air in some ways to just know that it is okay. And there are people like us out there that are willing to, to maybe go first or raise our hands to say like, this is not what I thought it would be. I still love my kids. I wouldn't change that. It's okay to just admit I'm having a hard time with it or I need help or support or I, you know, that kind of a thing, which is a great then time for me to ask you, what kind of things do you have going on in your world, Kelly? So that the people listening who are like, I do, I need support and parenting. I'm having a really hard time and I'm ready for that. What are some ways that they can work with you or what do you have available as a conscious parenting coach? Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. So right now I am offering a membership in my new parenting community. It's called the village and mm -hmm. you know, you've it takes a village, right? We we're talking about that. It's not meant to be done alone. So you can get onto the best way to find me is on Instagram. So I'm at kelly.cole.smith and you can put that in the show notes. Um, and my links are all in my, in my bio for that. I also have a free guide for anyone out there who is wondering about discipline. So the secret guide to discipline is there to download for free. And I also do, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. So that's an option as well. And yeah, otherwise you can check out my podcast. We see you podcast and my Instagram and get all the information that you need there. Oh, you guys just so many good resources. Um, Kelly really is here to just support us and it's not in a, a shaming condescending at all, right? Like in a lot of ways, I anticipate you probably end up consciously like parenting your clients in a way, right? Like how you approach them is probably a really beautiful example for them to follow and how they can incorporate that into their own parenting practices. So just thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your friendship, for your wisdom, and for being here today. Uh, guys, I will put everything in there. Go connect with Kelly immediately. Okay. All right. I am ready, family. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for being here. Until next week. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here and listen to this episode. I know your days are full and there are a million ways that you could be spending your precious time. So just know that you choosing to be here with me doesn't go unnoticed. If you don't want to miss another chance to prioritize yourself and refuel that cup, then hit the subscribe button now so you don't miss a thing. The best way to spread these messages is to share, rate, and review these episodes. I want this podcast to support and nourish you through whatever you're going through in life. Please reach out to me on Instagram at any time at Megan M. Colsing. I'd love to hear from you because my mission is to help support and guide you to that magical and fulfilling life that you deserve. And in case nobody's told you yet today, you matter and you're doing a great job. See you next week.